0: and welcome to lamp parties episode 158 from the Las Vegas Review Journal brought to you by Blue Wire I am your host Ryan Smith and with me as always my trusty co-host Lucas Egan Lucas how was your weekend what
1: is going on my friend My weekend was good, it was filled with some pretty depressing TV series, Um, (laughs) The Last of Us and Alice in Borderlands, which I don't know why I did that to myself, both terrific shows, but man, not the most uplifting shows in the world, (laughs) but (laughs) add in some Marvel Snap, add in some Pokemon, and it was a pretty darn good weekend for myself, Ryan, how was yours?
0: You know, not bad. I I have no complaints on my end. I kept it pretty chill, got back into some more uh, God of War Ragnarok. So I'm slowly making my way through that story among the other things. Like I'm trying to step up my game because I know that Tears of a Kingdom comes out next month. Um, I, I know that, uh, uh, for, what was it? Forspoken comes out like tomorrow, uh, as of this recording, like we're about to get into that season where all kinds of things are going to be dropping. And I'm, I'm just, my backlog is just going to explode. So I'm trying to get into some games while I can. I play a little bit of, uh, uh, destiny too, uh, as well. And then it was great. We got, we got in some, uh, project playtime, uh, for those that are familiar with, uh, poppy playtime and that series, uh, it's like a, a asymmetrical uh, uh, 6v1, I, I believe, um, game. It's a lot of fun. Still early access, but uh, it's a lot of fun. We had friends and and played with people. So overall, it was a solid weekend, but enough about us. We've got a very special guest on the show today. Uh, we've got Robbie Zombie Juice Miller, the executive director of Stream 4A Cause, joining us. Robbie, how was your weekend? How are you doing, my friend?
2: It was really good. We had a really great weekend, also filled with depressing TV shows. <laughs> yeah. And um, ran a Dead by Daylight tournament for our community this weekend, which was tons of fun. Lots of people showed up. Lots of uh, great people showing up, made some donations, and raised about $1,000 just this weekend, um, doing nice. a lot of terrible things that I had to eat. So, you know, <laughs> all in all, it was a really good weekend.
0: Awesome. and and I got a, I got a disclaimer too so I met Jombie. I met Robbie here uh over on Logan radio Rock's uh quiz show he does a quiz show on Mondays so we got to compete against each other Robbie was able to to clutch the win uh but I I, I, I was proud of both of us we were getting answers we were doing things so it was a ton of fun but again thank you Robbie for for yeah. joining us. Um, we're super excited to talk about Stream for a Cause, what you guys have going on, uh, but let's start out with some news first, and this really shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. We've been talking about it for a while now, but it is a, a official official that Marvel's Avengers, uh, the game, is going to be ending support. Is September thirtieth of this year. There are some caveats, though, uh, to this. I, they so their their last content update, I believe, is going to be March thirty first. Um, yep. and then after that, they are no longer going to be supporting the game. It's a fit. Well, well, I'm sorry. They will no longer officially be supporting the game after September thirtieth. Uh, however, they are going to continue to have all the modes open. Not only that, but on the thirty first, they're actually going to be opening up all their skins and everything for free. So don't, don't go spending any kind of money or anything right now on that. That would be foolish. That would be (laughs) foolish. Save your money. It's going to be free on the 31st of March, but let's take a look at this. and, And I'm curious to see what you guys have to say about this as well. This has been two and a half years. We know that, um, uh, they were sold off by Square Enix uh this was uh Crystal Dynamics was sold off to um uh, uh uh why am I why am I spacing on the name it's uh the embracer group the embracer group they have a ton of yeah they've got a ton of uh developers over there um so we know for a fact that they're gonna be working on um this new uh uh, uh Raider Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. I am spacing. Yeah. They're going to be working on a new Tomb Raider. So this doesn't come as a surprise, but this is two and a half years deep since the launch. This went a lot further. And longer than I actually thought it was going to go. Um, I feel like even even though they didn't get what they expected, I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities uh, with them trying to do it as a live service game. I think it would have been a lot stronger it just being a single player game. We saw an example of that with um, Guardians of the Galaxy. That game was absolutely fantastic. I think th- I wish this game got that same treatment because uh, I thought there was a lot of potential there um but uh you know it, it it they did good they i mean december they just dropped the winter soldier i didn't even know that had happened um <laughs> you know so i mean they were still dropping new characters and stuff like that so it may not have come out successfully but i mean they ran the game we we got two and a half years of this they supported it they they did what they said that they were going to do or what they set out to accomplish to do it's just unfortunate that that it didn't really get the backing and, and the community uh, wasn't really feeling it. And rightfully so. I, I feel like they could have just completely skipped out on the whole live service thing. Uh, those games are not easy to do. So I'm curious to see what your guys thoughts are on this. Um, you know, this is the end.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah this game to me is one of those big what ifs and if only they took a different route uh, so let, let me start with, with some positives right the the actual campaign I thought was really good uh, and mm-hmm. interesting uh, Sandra Saad who we had on our show won a, a best actor performance award for her role as Kamala so there were some and obviously the voice cast was top notch right so there were some solid performances mm-hmm. uh, and when, when you did get to experience the story it was fun uh, however uh even right from its reveal at e3 uh in 2019 or whatever that was uh they they were trying to hide the live service part and i think they realized then mm-hmm. that that might have been a mistake to uh go the live service route but it was too late obviously at that point uh because they definitely tried to market it as more of a story-driven uh narrative focused game so mm-hmm. I was disappointed in the overall product. Uh not what I wanted from an Avengers game. Uh not when we when as Ryan you said we had a great Guardians of the Galaxy game, Spider-Man Miles Morales, all these fantastic mm-hmm. Marvel games that have come out. This one just didn't do it, didn't have the staying power. Even the content drops, some of them were iffy. Uh, if you remember when they did Spider-Man, uh, he didn't even really get his own unique missions. His story was kind of all told right. through uh, some pretty ridiculous means. <laughs> and Spider-Man <laughs> stayed exclusive to the PlayStation, so you didn't even get to experience you your own Xbox. Uh, and. By the way, Spider-Man is still just going to be a PlayStation exclusive. So even though they're adding support, Spidey is still only a Sony thing for them. Uh, so a wow. missed opportunity. It's it's going to be one of those big what ifs uh, and, and a big swing and a miss overall, I think, from from my perspective.
0: What about you, Robbie? Did you get a chance to play this?
1: I never played this game
2: but what I can not say is everything gets really sticky around, like, Marvel licensing anyway. There's mm-hmm. so much difficulty with navigating it. And obviously, a certain mouse has a lot of influence on what happens on any Marvel property. So it does make sense that it's ending this year as they start to really work to transition into the next stages of Marvel entertainment overall. Like, we're losing right. so many of the characters that we're used to seeing. They're kind of being just, like... Their time is, is coming to a close and we're moving into this next iteration. So hopefully yeah. if they have a chance to redo something like this, that they take the time to do it, fixing a lot of the things that they've learned from this to bring in the next like the next generation of, of, of heroes that come with the Marvel franchise and they're able to deliver on some of those things. Because it- I do think that everybody wants to be a hero in the game. So it is like a great opportunity to play a game like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and again, I, I think that's the biggest part that you guys mentioned as well is the fact that the gameplay is fun. The story is good. Uh, the, the part that missed the mark was the live start service part. And the fact that they didn't, you know, it, it it just could have done without that section of it. I mean, again, we know that when it comes to live service games, you have to have a content pipeline, a steady content pipeline. And we've seen so many games, you know, just falter out the gate when they're trying to do this live service. I mean, it took Destiny, Destiny, and Destiny, and, you know, and then when they went back to Destiny 2, it was like they started all over again, and we had to go through the exact same struggles, and then they're getting it back into a, a good place. But you'll still see people are always going to complain about that stuff. They're, you know, I just, yeah, I I think this is still a good blueprint um, to have and I I would love to have a game um like this and this quality but be more story driven if you want to then go and, and do some DLC like major DLCs and even smaller DLCs later I think that'd be fine I think people would would be okay with that as long as we get a solid story um, I, I think people are cool with that but when you have all this great stuff and then you have just just lackluster uh you know PvPve uh co-op experience it really just kind of left me with a sour taste it was super grindy too and then yep. when you when you think about it it took them months before we were just we were just fighting taskmaster and <laughs> and <laughs> an abomination you know what i mean it's like that's not enough variety it's like you have a plethora of heroes and villains to choose from and all you're going to give me is two major villains uh within this pvp other than that i'm just fighting these faceless bots that mean nothing to me it's hard to it's just hard to buy into that so um it's unfortunate that i wasn't successful but i i still think it was successful as far as being a fun game to play uh it just missed a mark in terms of the the co-op
1: I will say this too, Ryan, I think we called it back when Disney had their uh, D23 or, or whatever it was, and, and when it was missing from its big game announcements, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like that was kind of it. Uh, even looking back even further, it seems like War for Wakanda was kind of like the turning point. Uh, like yeah. either that was going to bring in an influx of players or it wasn't, and unfortunately, it just didn't. Hopefully, I mean, this is obviously not going to be the last Avengers game, we'll see, and hopefully, the next one kind of hits a home run because, uh, so many other marvel games are, have been fantastic so uh the the history's there they've got so many great characters they can bring in and uh i mean they probably won't do this but i'd be fine with them bringing the cast back and just just re you know rejiggering some of the mechanics you know get rid of the right. get rid of the grindy p- portions and let us have some fun and, and uh i mean that would be fantastic we'll see what happens though
0: yeah, I'm, I'm sure at some point in time they'll revisit. I mean that that uh, IP and and those characters are too iconic not to utilize. And kind of like Robbie was saying too, we're we're stepping into Phase Five as of next month with the release of Ant Man uh, uh, and uh, Quantum Mania. So you know all of Phase Four. I feel like a lot of Phase Four was these introductions to these new characters are going to end up you know, sending off the old and, and, you know, this is what it's transforming into. So I'm really excited to see that and what they do plan or or what they plan on doing it uh, uh, with it in the future. So I I know we've got some more stuff. Uh, You want to lay it on us, Lucas, in terms of, uh, what we got next.
1: Yeah so we had episode 2 of The Last of Us uh, premiere on HBO on Sunday night. Uh, Let me give a a quick uh, little update the first episode premiered on Sunday night to 4.7 million viewers and that's not including the streaming stuff here which was actually HBO's second largest premiere in the last like 12 years behind House of the Dragon so I mean of course uh, Game of Thrones has its built in loyal fan base there so I fantastic fantastic start viewership wise uh and quality wise uh ryan and robbie i I think you guys would agree another hard-hitting episode uh but i want to start with robbie here because you are coming to the series uh without playing the games and i have been really wanting to find somebody like that to see what your take has been how have you enjoyed the series so far
2: so really just as a standalone like for me like you said i've never played the games before so just the storytelling it was very easy for me to get into and in a lot of ways if i didn't have a foot in the gaming world and seeing how many people were excited about a game that they love being made into a show i think that anybody stepping into this could watch it and understand what's happening and not feel like it's a video game remake that they're watching and i don't think that you can say the same for certain you know raccoon city related content like those (laughs) felt like video games made into a movie the mortal Kombat movie like it was a video game made into a movie but this this is done from a standpoint of we're using a story that people that was really well written. So right, they're using a story, but then they're bringing in very high quality actors. They're bringing in really great cinematography. They're bringing in like great special effects. And so you can just watch it as its own story. And the fact that it's based on a video game and that the writers put that together is something that whether you know it or not, you can still really enjoy. And I think one of the things they've done that's very successful, because obviously I have people that have You know, you watch the after things and they're talking about how like, oh, this actor was brought in because they were the voice of the character in the show. So this nod that they're doing to the game itself is so cool. That is a lot. I think a lot of the success of this is that they've they've not made it a video game movie. They've made it a movie based on a story told first in a video game. And that makes a really big difference.
0: I mean, you you nailed. I mean, you nailed it right on the head. There. This is. I mean, the game is was already a movie. We, it was just an interactive movie, is what we got. So, being able to see it come to life, and and you know, someone that did that did play the game, and it was years ago that I played the game, but uh, just being able to see some of the differences from the game to the show. And, and the choices that they made, like, like Robbie was saying, I love those, the after the show things, cause you get a lot more insight into what goes into the episode or what their thought process was and things like that. I absolutely love stuff like that. Um, Obviously, this is a, a, a huge episode. There's a lot that happens. Again, we're going to try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. But th- something that I'm really loving, and I wasn't sure what they their plan was uh, to do when it came to this show, how much they were going to stick to the source material. I love the fact that they literally rip lines from the game and 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 work them into the show in a natural way because you know for those that did play the game it's just like oh I remember that you know <laughs> get all oh snap and like I you know and like and like we talked about last time like I cried during the game I cried during the show you know I'm saying but like we we talked about this last week we talked about this last week and that is you know we so far. Fantastic. The big, big thing was like, what about them clickers? You know, the clickers is going to be is the next big thing that we need to know. And boy, oh boy, they absolutely nailed it from the the prosthetics to the sound. That sound is something that I will never forget. I still have issues if somebody is <laughs> off doing that sound, it's like, nah, son, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta stop. You gotta stop. That ain't hey, cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just has that much of an impact, especially when you're playing the game. You know, you're sitting there like you're literally holding your breath, just like we gotta be real quiet.
1: We got to
0: gotta shut up the clickers right here. Um, so they, they knocked that off out of the park. Uh, you know, they and we saw in the after show, too, they brought in uh, the designer uh, from uh, or not. I'm sorry, not the designer from the game. But uh, uh, the prosthetics, uh, the person that does prosthetics, but did it for uh, uh, um Oh, I'm totally spacing. I know they they did Vecna for Stranger Things and there was something else as well. Uh so clearly a a somebody that knows what they're doing and absolutely knocked it out of the park. Uh for those that well, I'm not I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that. But this was a this was a very like a very emotional episode. Um we got that first introduction and, and seeing of clickers. We got a little more backstory a, in terms of how the virus or how this uh um kind of works the 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 fungal and, and, and all that stuff and, and how that works so you know no complaints they are i am i am so pumped what they're doing with this show and and it really is getting that hbo treatment because everything from the sound design the the lighting i mean every aspect of it is just cap capturing so much and and i'm so happy that for especially for folks that haven't had a chance to play the game to be able to experience it uh, without playing the game. I, I think it's amazing because this is a fantastic story uh to tell.
1: Couldn't agree more. I, I look forward to this. It's uh it's nice to have a weekly watching habit again. Uh and mm-hmm. I, I think that people uh are, are saying that yeah this is this, I don't know what my expectations were coming into this, but it certainly has surpassed them. Like this is just just been amazing. The performances have all been spot on. Uh, I can't wait to see the uh, the ways they they both stick to the to the games and and the ways they expand the the, the lore and the world uh, a little bit. So it's nice to see that. Uh, and uh, uh, this this is this is the one, right? This is the one where I'm like, man, <laughs> we need that those shining examples of a. True home run of a game adaptation this seems this seems like this is this is it,
0: yeah, and you know again, just speaking on the fact that because I've played the game, I have some preconceived notions in terms of some of the characters, so it's it's it for me, it's kind of like reading a book before watching the movie. If I'm gonna watch the movie, then I won't read the book, otherwise you know, otherwise it kind of skews. How you know? I already know the book's going to be better. Um, so <laughs> it's like going in with that thought process. But regardless, this is absolutely fantastic. I, I think what they're doing and just even some of the changes that they made. So it's it's just better better for for television as a television series uh, as opposed to gaming and and it being interactive. They they've knocked this out the part. I'm, I'm really excited to see what the rest of this series has entail and, and how it goes down so let's take a quick commercial break and we're coming back speaking with Robbie stream for a cause everything you guys got going on we'll be right back y'all
1: Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for listening to those short messages. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And Ravi, if I could just start, for people who are unfamiliar with Stream for a Cause, can you kind of talk about what you do and how you came to join this organization?
2: I started Stream for a Cause back in 2020. To be completely transparent with you, I was working at another nonprofit. I was in the middle of finishing my master's in nonprofit admin. And I was working at a community-based charity. And we received a $5 million grant. Oh, wow. And I was so excited because um, I worked in the programming. And so for me, $5 million, the thought of $5 million coming into our organization where we were always told like, oh, well, we don't have money for that. We don't have the budget for that. I was like, this is going to be huge for us. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just wasn't. I mean, we all of a sudden had this brand new building that was all done very modern with like... Twenty five thousand dollar cubicles put in literally twenty five thousand dollars wow, for a wow. cubicle, right? Top of the line furniture, and I was like, "Can we do like a Christmas party?" I had a I had a staff under me of about fifty five people, and I was like, "Can we just do like a holiday party?" Because we just had a really good one for us, like let's have one, let's have one for them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's not in our budget. We can't do that." And I was like, wow. "I was just so pissed," to be completely honest, and I went home and i had it like covid hits so we're all working from home now and i get told no about this budget item like i was like let's do something for our staff i was like they're out of work they're teaching it's very difficult like let's do something to appreciate our staff mm-hmm. and they were like yeah we don't have the money for that and i was like all right and so i shut my laptop and i was like i'm going to go lay down for a few minutes and i had this rage dream like literally i was so mad and I had this idea for like doing it better to be completely honest. I was like, we need to be doing better because people when they made that five, five million dollar contribution, they wanted it to go to programming. They didn't want it to go to a, a building that was now sitting vacant. Cause we were in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was mad and I was looking at some of my friends online who were streaming and I didn't stream at the time. I didn't have a lot of involvement with Twitch, but when I was looking at what they were doing, they were all doing these amazing charity streams, but they were all focused in on like bigger, we call them name brand charities. They were all focused in on charities that everybody knows the name of that are operating with those million or billion dollar budgets that don't need three, four, $500 raised by a content creator to meet their bottom line. And I was talking to some creators. I was like, you know, why don't you ever select local nonprofits? And they're like, well, they don't have a content creator program. Like they don't have, overlays their panels, they don't have anybody that can help. They don't have, they're not on Tiltify, they're not on any of these things. And I was like, they don't have the time. Right. 66% of nonprofits in the U.S. don't make more than $50,000 a year. So when are they gonna have somebody who can put together all of that stuff? And I was right. like, well, we could do that. I mean, we could be one central place. Stream for a Cause kind of came into existence because we wanted the money coming into one place where then we could provide grants to these smaller nonprofits. We wanted to be able to provide you know, resources to them by bringing together money from multiple content creators coming into one place. We could then offer one larger, more transformational grant. If you have a, a nonprofit that makes $50,000 and you give them $5,000, you've increased their budget by 10% and they're doing good work they're the ones that when you're in need, you're like, I need to go to the local food pantry because it's a hard month, or I need to go to a shelter. Like, you're going to those places, we use those places, but we're also afraid to give to those places. And so we wanted to start having that conversation about why it's important to give at the community level and to give to grassroots nonprofits, because they really are the ones doing so much work to keep our communities working.
1: I love that mission. That is fantastic. And obviously super needed. When you started out, what What's been the biggest challenge? Has it has it been that kind of outreach to to some of these uh, smaller charitable organizations to kind of help them know that there's a resource f- for them to help them reach out to content creators?
2: It's actually a mix of a couple of things. The, the the nonprofits a lot of times we reach out and I'm like, hey, let us help you, and they're like, you're a scam. They won't respond. <laughs> like oh, like, like no, it literally is. We want to give you money. And they're like, yeah, okay. Uh, Nobody does that. So there's trust building. So originally, we had to kind of build trust with places so that they knew that we were real, that we had, you know, a portfolio for us to work off of where we could say like, yeah, we've done this with lots of other places. But because in the content creation world, it's so, you know, that follow for follow community stuff that goes on, those things have also made it somewhat challenging to recruit and work with content creators. Our content creators are volunteers. You know, if they went and volunteered at an animal shelter, in our mind, them working with Stream for Cause is exactly the same thing. We're utilizing the talents that they have in order to provide, you know, a a fundraising event um, that we can Mm -hmm. use the funds to do these things. But most places don't treat it like that. You know, you go to Tiltify, you just make a campaign. You go to Streamlabs Charity, you just make a campaign. So if it's not already there, In front of them or there isn't a program, there's a lot of hesitation when somebody reaches out to you online that things might be like not on the up and up. So we did have to overcome those barriers as well, just trying to build a reputation of excellence in the work that we do so that people took us seriously when we reached out.
0: Yeah, and I think that that is always a challenge, especially with uh, uh, something that is um you know, just starting out and then, of course, with the folks that you're looking to reach out to and work with, it may be something completely new that they've never even thought of. So, it's like, wait a second, I don't know about this. So, yeah. I-, I can only imagine the importance of being able to build that trust. Um, let me ask you, in terms of streamers, content creators, um, just people that, that are that are looking to help out, what are some ways that folks can, can help out and, and what's the best way to go about about them, you know, reaching out and and starting that
2: process. Well, honestly, there's a lot of imposter syndrome that happens in the content creation world. So, you, you know, some of our most successful charity streams, I use this example a lot. We had a partner streamer that we were working with. They did a great job. You know, they were tons of fun to work with. They had huge reach. A lot of people learned about the work that we do, and it provided a lot of validation and trust building because it's an endorsement. That being said, The amount of money that they raised was about $1,500, which is great. I mean, not knocking that at all. That was an amazing amount of money, a contribution coming in. What we noticed from that was that almost all of those donations came from about 10 or 15 people. Mm -hmm. We also noticed that working with content creators who have an average viewer of four or five even are still very capable of doing that. So that imposter syndrome prevents them from wanting to do a a charity stream. They think I'm not, I'm not successful enough. You hear that all the time. Like they're told no, 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 no. From all of these sponsors that they reach out to that Mm -hmm. when there are opportunities like this, that come up, they should take them because to be completely honest, like we also had a charity streamer with an average viewer. I kid you not of four. 183 followers, end up raising $1,600, beating that larger partner streamer out in the amount raised. Because almost all of that money comes from a core group of people. The way that fundraising works is it's trust-based. Even if you don't have 15,000 followers on Twitch, that doesn't mean you don't have a core group of 10 or 15 people who support and believe in you, because we saw that that was also the same thing for that larger streamer. It was about 10 or 15 people. We have found so often that you have to step out of your own way. The imposter syndrome voices are very, very loud. I shouldn't be doing this, it's not worth my time. Um, Everybody tells me no for sponsorship. I am, why am I doing this? But you can still make a difference for causes like ours just by putting yourself out there. Even if you don't raise any money, takes a lot of guts to go and advocate for something that you believe in to advocate for why it's important to give at the grassroots or community level. So just be willing to put yourself out there. Do a stream, do a charity stream, do a special event stream. Um, If you work with us, if you don't work with us, that's completely fine. But don't be afraid of taking those steps to make opportunities for yourself rather than waiting on them to come to you.
0: I think that's a great point. And you're right. I think a lot of people do feel that. I know I personally have too. But the thing for me is that, especially when it comes to a charity stream, it's something that I personally believe in. It's something that I personally support. So I'm able to to do that. Because that's not something that I typically do. I'm not, I'm not, I don't stream to try to solicit money or, or anything like that, but when it comes to charity streaming, I will absolutely solicit money <laughs> right. because it's going to a great cause, and and it, again, the the communities and the gaming community, streaming community, all that stuff, it never ceases to amaze me just how generous they really are. Um, yeah. And not only that, but then as a content creator and streamer, it's also an opportunity to to cut loose and have some fun. Do something different that you haven't been able to do. Step out of that comfort zone. Not only are you able to do that for yourself and the community, but then you're doing it for a great cause and, and helping out a great cause. And after you get over that that, you know, out of your own head of, ah, I don't know about this, this and that, and you do it like it completely changes your perspectives on, on doing stuff like this. So the fact that, and, and and let me make sure that I'm understanding this correctly as well. So in, in terms of the process, do you, is it you guys, you guys, essentially somebody can get in contact with you guys and then you guys are gonna reach out to then or find uh, the a, chari- a local charity based on the, uh, the person, the content creator, the streamer, that then you then partner those two up together and then like create the assets and and help them to be able to accomplish that
2: no and that's that's not exactly what we do so our work is if uh, that would be really awesome if we were able to do that but unfortunately because people come from all over we -hmm. wouldn't be able to offer one larger more transformational grant to a certain place so instead what we like to do is constantly ask our community what are the causes that are important to them um the thing that we like to remind everybody of is even if it's not local to you it's local to someone so mm-hmm. it may not be in your backyard, but it is in someone's backyard. And, you know, we always welcome people to suggest charities on our website so they can submit something that is local to them. And when we're looking for a charity that fits, you know, that that cause, we absolutely go through that list first um, in looking to make our selections. But if we were working with one person and we did all of the work and set it up, it's not fair to the charities if what we say is okay, so we would love to be able to give you money, but the streamer that had selected your cause wasn't able to raise more than 50 bucks. Like, that makes it really hard for them to plan around. So when we're issuing grants, what we do is we offer the charity's money first based on what's already in our reserves based on what's been raised for previous months we okay. offer them that grant which is then issued it's guaranteed it's money that they're getting no matter what it takes the pressure off our streamers to feel like there's a certain quota that they have to make like right. if i don't raise this amount of money the charity that was in the video isn't going to be able to make the month isn't going to be able to like whatever we we started that way to be completely honest with you that's how we started was mm-hmm. we're going to fundraise this month and we're going to be giving the money to this charity it was painful because our streamers didn't reach the goals that they had set for themselves. And we mm-hmm. had told a charity that we were going to be providing those funds and we were not able to do so. We weren't able oh. to make that amount of money. And so while they were banking on receiving like $1,500, we were only able to give them 900 Well, unfortunately, when you do that, the charity is never going to be like, you know, they don't. They don't go out of their way to be like, oh, well, you know, that sucks. You promised this and you can't deliver it. But it does feel bad. It feels bad for everybody that's involved. So instead, we're always planning ahead. Like next month, we're already in discussions for February. We know where the charity is located. We know who they are. We're asking right now how much money they need to keep their programs open. And then all Mm -hmm. through February, that's our signature charity. Our, Our streamers will throw the video up on their stream. They'll be excited. They might do a fundraiser. But the charity's already received the help the pressures off our streamers if right we're hopefully we're able to fundraise back what we made or maybe even better we're able to fundraise a little bit past that and that's going to just go into what we do the following month so it allows us to have a lot more responsibility towards the causes that we're helping to do it in a way that's ethical um it also mm-hmm. allows us to give larger amounts to smaller places that individual streamer probably isn't going to raise five thousand dollars but five thousand dollars is totally amount that we, we give out. I think for October last year, we gave one charity, like almost $14,000 in one Wow! and so, and that was all to, it was charity gaming. It's one of the charities we work with every October. We've given them about, I think about $30,000 so far just in three years. And that's great. It would not be possible if everybody was selecting their own charity. And so we kind of had to move past that idea of individualism versus collective assistance.
1: Yeah. If I can uh, ask you kind of from the other side of things there, uh for the nonprofit side, uh what what sort of of vetting process do you have? What sort of markers are you looking for? And if there are people that that are, you know, helping to run a nonprofit, uh, are there times of the year that they can apply to be considered for the future or or what what does that process look like?
2: Oh, absolutely. So our vetting process is actually very thorough. One of the things that we like to do is to look at what the reach is versus how much their budget is. So we're looking to make sure, you know, I've had charities that are have reached out to me that are gaming related charities where they're like, hey, would you raise money for us? And and they say, yeah, or, you know, we look into their stuff and they've got a four hundred thousand dollar budget that they're raising for mental health every year with like $380,000 going to paying the the six people that are running the charity. And like, that is Mm. not cool. So like that, we look at those things. We're going through all of their tax information for previous filing years. If they're outside of the United States, we're going through whatever government system audits them to make sure that they are on the up and up, that their budgets make sense, that they are not overly spending on things that are irrelevant, that they are making sure that they are, we're not going to give money to places to use responsibly if they don't already have a history of responsibly using cash. So we take care of all of that because that is one of the biggest roadblocks that people cited as being, I don't want to give to my local charity because I don't know how to know if it's a good one or not. I don't know how to convey if it's a good charity. So we take care of all of that on our side. I then meet one-on-one with the leadership for the charity and we talk about what are your needs? What is it that you're doing? how do you go about doing it and what would like let's say i was to give you five thousand dollars what would be your number one thing that you would do with it and they list that out and and we talk about those things we set them up to be successful they sign some paperwork and then we make the grant requirements also very easy because a lot of grants come with eighty thousand hoops you have to jump through Mm -hmm. and And a small nonprofit just can't do that. They can't set aside an entire employee to manage this grant. They don't have the money. They don't have the infrastructure and they don't have the staff. A lot of them are just volunteers. So we make the grant requirements very, very easy and something that they can be successful at. It doesn't have to be hard. We make it harder because we want to, we want to nudge out people who won't take those initiatives. But in all reality. Those people, it's not that they don't want to do it. It's that they're working three jobs because we recognize right. it's hard for people right now. Don't don't crap on somebody who's trying to do something good to make their community better simply because they don't have the education or the background or the pedigree that says they should be running a nonprofit. So many people put together something to make their community a better place and they're doing their best. And when, when did we stop recognizing doing our best is, is good? So we make those grant requirements obtainable for them. We walk them through it, we coach it. The other side of what we do is outside of that grant making. So we also provide professional development assistance. I have, you know, I personally have a master's in nonprofit administration. I have my MPA, I specialized in nonprofit work. I've worked in nonprofits for over a decade um, for my entire adult life. And so we take those things that we've learned along the way, we take those networks that we're building with these community-based nonprofits and we might say, hey. You're talking about this program and that's really good. Let us set up a meeting with you in this other place that we've worked with that has that program so you can learn from each other, so you can be successful. I drove completely across the country, nine hours to Alabama in the South to work with a pride organization because they were like, our board is really struggling to nail down what our mission should look like. And we're all over the place. So we had like a three-day seminar where it was just us and them walking through how to better... Facilitate programming for their community and pride is so needed, like in the deep South, especially. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that's offered to them. Those courses, those, those consultants you bring in charge nonprofits, like $20,000. How's a small nonprofit supposed to afford that? So we provide it as part of what are the donations that are raised. We use those to do that developmental programming as well because not only do we want them to be successful we want them to be sustainable
0: yeah that is i mean that is so that is absolutely huge let me ask you robbie in in terms of i guess this year and then kind of looking towards the future a little bit um what do you guys have planned for this year like events things uh such as that nature and then as an organization here in the next few years have you put any thought into where you'd like to see it go or, or, you know, what it, what you would like uh, for it to kind of transform into?
2: Yeah. I mean, we're always working on making sure that we're doing right by our volunteers. Like I said, the number one question that we ask ourselves for all of the grants we give out and all of the work that we do is, would our volunteers be proud of what, you know, that money went towards. And Mm -hmm. if we can say that with a yes, if we know that we're doing right by our community, then, then we move forward. A lot of the work that we do, uh, this year is centered around intention. So we want to make sure that we're very intentional with the places that we're funding with the causes that we are working with. Um, so coming up this year, we have next month, there's a big game coming up. That's got a lot of controversy around it. Obviously, um, especially for the trans community right so everybody knows the game if you're on stream or twitter at all you know what's happening so that's an important thing to our community so we're doubling down we're not we're you know we're going to be making sure that we're supporting a uk-based trans um organization that month and and doing a lot of advocacy work about why that's important and how to be a good ally to um, people in the trans community throughout February. Moving into that, we're doing, in March, a lot of work around gender diversity in gaming um, because female content creators, women in content creation experience a totally different vibe than everybody else a different level of harassment and then on top of that you've got non-binary folk who are experiencing that you've got trans creators who experience that you've got a whole spectrum of gender in between there even just femme presenting people experience a different level of harassment both on content creation but also in the gaming industry at large Mm -hmm. you know there why is it that there's only 25 percent gender diversity within the gaming industry in general. You know, you're talking artists, you're talking writers, you're talking developers. It's a difficult arena for people to break into. So we want to have those difficult conversations. From there, we're moving into an AAPI showcase. um, A lot of uh, representation there. A lot of AAPI work needs to be done, especially post-COVID, to heal a lot of those rifts that were created. And then moving into, we have Queer Mayhem coming up, because we just honestly, we have so many LGBTQIA plus creators, we can't fit them all in June. So we have Queer Mayhem moving into June. And then just programming like that scheduled, everything every month is done with intention to coincide with what the work needs to be done the conversations that are happening within the industry and what our creators want to see us do. Looking forward in the future, obviously, we would love to be able to bring in an additional staff member. This year is the first year we've had two full-time staff members, which is massive. Um, the first 18 months of running Stream for a Cost, like I took no pay and just paid out of my own savings account to mm. keep everything afloat it was rough. So now that we have the ability to do so, being able to pay our staff is great. And we hope to be able to add one more person who can be like an influence manager uh, at some point this year. Um, and then continuing to build out those relationships with people in the gaming industry. We have some great events coming up for esports. We have a lot of regular events and we've started to solidify our schedule so that now we have this plan every year and we can start to really grow and offer opportunities for people to be involved in gaming in general we kind of also secretly hope to be able to run a charity-driven convention in the next couple of years as well.
1: Nice. I love that. I love yeah. that. Uh, I, I've got one more question here. You know, uh, it, it seems like you've, you've got a long history with nonprofits. What what was the driving force behind that? What made you want to to enter a space where you could could give back and, and really make make a difference like you have?
2: Honestly, I started in law school. And I was going to do like a joint program, get my MPA, get my JD degree, and then I was going to go like my goal was to I was going to be like a an environmental lawyer. So, okay. Like, completely mm. underpaid, and I wanted to like stop whale <laughs> whale hunting. Like that was my driving force. <laughs> Which, if I had seen Avatar 2 before that, I probably <laughs> would have stuck with it a little bit harder. But it was crazy, because I was I was sitting in law school, and my professor, I was like, well, that's not right. And my professor said, if you want to do what's right, you don't get a law degree. And I was like, oh. <laughs> They're like, there you have to do what's legal. You have to do it as it's written. If you want to make change, it's not with a law degree. And I was like, that's rough. <laughs> um, so, You know, I took a job after that. Well, before that, I was working for, you know, the Y. I was doing work with the YMCA. And then I had moved into some other nonprofit, you know, gigs here and there um, to piece it together. You know what it's like working six jobs and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm. And I was like, I'm just going to stay in nonprofits because this is this is it for me. And so I left law school, finished my MPA and have been doing this ever since. Now, is, now I'm curious.
1: Awesome. Like in in an alternate universe, had you stuck with the law degree, how do you think you'd be as a lawyer? Seahawk attorney at law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's exactly. We would have that we'd have that like big green energy, you know. No, I I honestly like I would have I think I would have found a lot of happiness as a lawyer, but I think I wouldn't have been able to find the ability to create change. I think we've got enough people who are lawyers and, you know, they go into politics and that's how they change things. But I have a huge disgust for politics. (laughs) And so that wasn't really going to be it for me. And just being like a corporate lawyer, like, yeah, there was going to be a paycheck, but like, also I think you just have to like surrender your soul at the door. So like, that wasn't going to (laughs) work out. Um, So I definitely wanted to do something that would be like alternate timeline me. I think I would have been definitely, uh, I would have been cold enough to do law and it would have been fine, but I'm really glad that we're not there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You got to do an amazing work again, Robbie. Thank you so much for being on this show. We really appreciate it, man. It was so much fun.
2: No, thanks for having me. I honestly, it was so fun meeting you in Logan's chat. I was like, that was fun. The trivia back and forth, like, we were so close. I, was, I know. I was like, this is this is good. This is chemistry. This is going to be fun. That was
0: awesome. Yo, again, Robbie, lay it on us. Where can folks uh, go to look to see about volunteering opportunities, uh, being able to donate directly to you guys and help you guys out? Lay it on us, brother.
2: Yeah. So you can, uh, one of our most active places to just kind of converse with us, ask questions, Twitter, uh, it's at Stream Cause. You also can go to our website and sign up to be a volunteer there. Um, we have tons of events, ton of tons of tournaments that we run. We've got about Four or five tournaments between now and June coming up for a variety of games. Um, I guess by the time this airs, you'll already know that we have an Overwatch 2 tournament coming out Ooh. with a special guest of Lucy Pohl, the voice actress from Mercy. Ooh, um, yes. I love that. going to be taking nice. part, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, that announcement will be technically coming out next couple days here but should be after this and it and and so we we do like to bring in a variety of games we have some dead by daylight tournaments coming up um potentially some uh tournaments coming up for league of legends so just lots of fun stuff happening and we invite people to come in and take part even if you're not fundraising for us you're supporting by being part of those events so if you're not a content creator you can still come and help out um if you are a content creator sign up on our website because honestly we have a really great uh uh streamer program that we do because making content isn't free and charity streams aren't free and we know that a lot of marginalized creators are already struggling to make ends meet trying to justify being a creator taking on something like a charity stream is expensive so we do have programs in place to help make sure that we can eliminate those barriers especially for our people that are out there just doing it because they're passionate about it why if you're a volunteer literally anywhere else they don't expect you to bring your own your own equipment Um, You're not bringing your own leash and dog treats and poop bags if you're walking dogs at the Humane Society. So, like, why do these content creator programs for nonprofits not bring supplies? Like, I don't understand. Like, bring your crayons. (laughs) Um, So we do help with those things as well. So if you are wanting to do it, if you have concerns, just talk to us. We can definitely walk through those and make sure that it's a right fit for you and you'll be comfortable with us.
0: I love it. I I love it so much. Again, thank you so much. And we'll make sure because you guys also have a discord. We'll have all those links uh, here in our description box. So uh, again, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Make sure you guys check out stream for a
1: cause. Absolutely. Uh, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Uh, more Last of Us, more Pokemon. I do want to give a couple shout-outs here. Uh, the Dead Space Rebake comes out on the 27th. Uh, so just, we're just a couple days away. Uh, and if you haven't, we had Jason Graves on our show, uh, the composer for yes. Dead Space. So go back and listen to that. It was a pretty fun conversation. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to Ed Thompson. Uh, the city of Las Vegas is, is putting on a Madden tournament here in Las Vegas on February 11th. Yeah. It's free, and you can win your share of some cash prize uh there's two brackets one for middle and high school students and one for people 18 and over so if you're a madden person uh what do you got to lose it doesn't cost you anything so right but that's mm-hmm. it that's it for me ryan what about you what, what do you got going on this weekend
0: Oh, again, spicy, spicy February. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't have any big plans really uh, in terms of this weekend. I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna try to finish Ragnarok here uh, sooner than later because I also need to finish Breath of the Wild so I can pick up Tears of the Kingdom uh, <laughs> once it comes out. So, like mentally, I'm I've, I've, I've focused on getting that stuff done so I can be prepped and ready uh, for that. Other than that, though, probably just uh, keeping it chill. This weekend, which we hope you guys keep it chill uh, out there. We hope you guys have a fantastic week. Uh, Don't forget, hit us up on the tweeters at Parties Pod, at Lucas Egan or at Smitty2447. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. And you know what it is. We love your faces. (laughs)